We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The in-dash OLED display in the Cadillac Escalade has 38 total diagonal inches of color display. So why do we give it a curve too? I guess you could say we like to bend the rules. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade never stop arriving. Crossing route, Gurley makes the catch 20. First down, he hurdles. Far side of the field, stays on his feet. Inside the 10, Todd Gurley making his case for MVP. He throws back shoulder, Higby reaches out and makes an incredible catch for a first down. Off his back foot, he throws to the end zone. Cooper Cup leaping to make the catch out of bounds. He has it for six. He's got a knee-high snap, looking left. Now over the middle, he pump fakes. He rolls to his right with Connor Barwin pursuing. He knocks him down. The ball is thrown up in the air and batted away. Incomplete. The Rams' defense clinches it. Goff will come on the field for victory formation. The Rams sideline across the field from us erupts in celebration. And so the playoffs are coming back to L.A. This January at the Coliseum. We, not me, versus the NFC. And for the first time since 2003, the Rams are NFC West champions. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is managing editor Derek C. Apollo with the man, the myth, the legend, Norm Hightower. We're here to talk Rams football. Actually, we're here to talk Rams football in relation to the Senior Bowl and the Pro Bowl. But before we get going, just want to remind you, go check us out on iTunes. You need those five-star reviews at the end of 100 five-star reviews. There is a nice contest there to win a gift certificate to NFLShop.com. Also, if possible, if you listen to us on SoundCloud, check us out there. Subscribe there. Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Google Play. All right, Norm. You watched the Senior Bowl. What are some things that stood out for you? It, was, uh, it wasn't played as sharply as I would have liked. I expected guys like Baker Mayfield to come out and light it up, and, and he didn't. But I was happy to see him show up. It, I think it was uh, important for his character and for his 
draft stock for him to be there. And so it was good of him to be there. Uh, the game itself was interesting. Uh, looking at some of the prospects that I know the Rams are looking at, there's a couple of guys I think that we might want to pick up later in the, in the draft, uh, not in the early rounds, but later rounds. And I know it's something that the Rams take very seriously, uh, you know, having, what, six of seven players last year that we drafted played in the, in the Senior Bowl last year. So I know it's, uh, I know it's an integral part of their, of their scouting, and uh, I hope they got to see what they wanted to see. Well, the Rams do take the Senior Bowl seriously. They had, I believe, what was reported, eight to ten staffers in on interviews with players last week. They interviewed several players, including tight ends. So it, it, the implication here is that the Rams are not happy with their tight end core. I didn't really see a whole lot in the game from the other prospects, except maybe you know Marcus Davenport out there from uh, UTSA. That, that's somebody's been mentioned as well. The Rams might be looking to take, you know, somewhere between, you know, in the first round. I don't think he'll be there, you know, after the second round for sure. So in terms of prospects, nothing stood out for me in the game. We heard lots of reports last week about, you know, different guys who are making an impact that the Rams are going to be looking at. But unfortunately, the game, the stars of the game were players I were at positions I didn't think the Rams were really going to look for. Yeah, I agree. There, there was a lot going on. Uh, at quarterback and wide receiver, which are two areas that we don't need to do a whole lot at. So I did pay a lot of attention to the tight ends, and I think the situation that the Rams are in, I don't know that they're necessarily looking for a pass-catching tight end, and they're looking more towards a blocking tight end. And there were a couple of good prospects for that. I was paying close attention to uh, Durham Smythe out of Notre Dame. Uh, He did a really excellent job of blocking in the game. And so he might be somebody we might want to pick up in the later rounds. Of course, there were a couple guys from, from Oregon in there, so I knew them. Tyrell Crosby, offensive tackle, and Sean Welsh, uh, offensive guard. And, you know, those if they're looking to add depth on the offensive line, those would be two very good choices for him as well. Well, the, the other uh, – I wrote last week on Darius Leonard, the linebacker from South Carolina State. I thought he helped himself a lot in this game. I didn't really like the film on him. I felt that his first step sometimes was a little bit unsure or a little slow. It depends on, on how you view that first step. He had 14 tackles in the game all over the field. NFL.com's Daniel Jeremiah compared him to the Jaguars' offensive, uh, sorry, outside linebacker Telvin Smith. So, again, 14 tackles in the senior role, and that's a nice day out, for, out there for him. I kind of like the idea of the Rams making a move at linebacker here earlier rather than later in the draft. It's someone who makes make some plays, so maybe he's a guy to go after. Marcus Davenport, again, we keep seeing all, all these things about him. One of the things I noticed about him early in the game is that criticism that he, that was out there for him early in the week, being upright, not exactly quick on the first step. He was, again, upright. I wonder what he's going to do with his height in relation to his weight against some of these beef, beefier tackles. So those are the players that the Rams focused on. We think the Rams are focusing on. We aren't sure, but the some of the scouts have zeroed in, at least, at least in relation to the Rams for the Senior Bowl. The only ones that I can confirm that they actually visited with were, again, the Ducks, Tyrell Crosby, Akram Wadley out of uh, Iowa, the running back, Tyler Conk- Conklin, tight end out of CMU, uh, Durham Smythe, tight end Notre Dame, Ian Thomas, tight end Indiana, Sean Welsh, offensive guard 
uh, Oregon and Trayvon Henderson safety from Hawaii. Those are the only ones that have really been out there as confirmed. I don't know that who else they met with, but it's apparent that their meetings went longer than normal. And it was even commented on that there weren't even enough seats sometimes at the meeting. So obviously they're, they're looking really hard at a few of these players and, and good for them. You know, it looks like the players that we took last year worked out well for us from the senior bowl. And if that's any indication, then we can look forward to uh, having something similar to that happen this year. I like what the Rams are doing. I like that they are taking every opportunity to fund the players they want. And what better place to do it than at the Senior Bowl? You know, sometimes I keep, I've wondered over the years how the Rams have missed so badly in drafts. Maybe it's just a case of actually putting, you know, people on the ground, putting boots on the ground, and taking advantage of every opportunity you get to be around a player and talk to them get an idea of how smart they are, get an idea of what their mindset in the game is. And we see when you have eight to 10 staffers all in a meeting, taking notes and interviewing these players, you have to think the Rams are getting more than they normally would out of any other time with a player. It's just that one-on-one time really is not one-on-one. It's like eight-on-one or 10-on-one because you have all these staffers just zeroing on that one player and learning about them. I love this approach for the Rams. And that's, that's one reason they, switched and moved around to an 11 and five football team they need to keep doing this and i i think that they might be ahead of the curve on something to me that seems like it's common sense get out there get your feet in the ground get to know these players as best you can and see how they fit in your team and for some reason many teams across the nfl don't do that look at the browns man how do you how do you be owen whatever this year how do you not make the playoffs for one time in the last almost 20 years for the browns it's ridiculous how do you not? It's, it's building foundation. The Rams, I think, are figuring out how to build these foundations and how to do it by taking advantage of every single moment you have with a player. Well, and having, you know, a new head coach and a lot of new, you know, guys on the staff come in, turn a team around like they did. They have a window, so to speak. They have a four or five year window here to where they could really do some really good things before salary caps get really crazy. And, you know, it's already going to be an issue somewhat this year if depending on what happens. But right now they kind of have a window for the next two, three, four, five years to where they've got a really good shot of being a really good football team and possibly make the playoffs the next four or five years in a row. And that's why I think they're really taking it seriously because they've got a lot of talent on the team. And just by adding the right pieces and doing the right bit of homework, they can solidify that. And I think that's kind of what they're doing. And it's, it's really good to see. Well, I would take a step further. Yes, you're right. The absolute right is that four to five years down the road, but by my argument to be, to me would be going one step deeper. And that is if you become so good at this, at building your scouting department and getting these players' heads and learning about them, you're not only going to be picking players who can help you now, but down the line, the next two, three years, you're going to pick up players who would step in when some of those big money guys have to leave because you can't afford them anymore. And that's what I love about how they are handling business. They are treating this like a class organization. I mean, they're becoming one, aren't they? I, I would agree with you 100% on everything you just said. You know, not only do they have a window, but they also have the ability to start building the talent pool for the future. And the Senior Bowl is a great way to do it. And taking it so seriously, 
is is nothing bad at all. It's a really good thing, and I'm glad to see him doing it. You know, it's kind of like the Pro Bowl in college, so to speak. You know, you get to go out there and really get a look at some players that you have some interest in. And, of course, they're not all there, but, you know, you have some real quality players that you can go out and see after a week's worth of NFL coaching, and you can really spend a lot of time with them individually. How many of these teams draft guys they've never talked to? How many, you know, how many of them go, okay, I'm going to go solely off their game film and, you know, what their coaches might say uh, when, I, when I call their coach? They're actually sitting down, interviewing players, getting to coach them, watch them on the field. They can see the talent. They can see where their weaknesses are. It's a great situation, and I'm really glad to see him taking it so seriously. Well, you start setting yourself up to be a dynasty. That window all of a sudden grows from being a four- to five-year window to an eight- to ten-year window when you consistently get in there and find the right players for your system. And that's the key to the game. That's the key to staying ahead. This is a league that's bent on parity. Teams are meant to rise and fall in the NFL, and only a few teams are able to kind of buck that trend, the Patriots being one of them. Really, the Patriots and Steelers, isn't it? I would I would say, I would argue, in the last 20 years, the only teams that really bucked that trend have been the Patriots and the Steelers. So you got to do whatever it takes to stay ahead of the game. I mean, if it means getting down the senior bowl and having 10 staffers in a room, more power to you. Well, and I would also say maybe the Packers and the Seahawks, you know, have also done a pretty good job the last 10 years as well. It's a situation to where you've got to keep a good core all the time. And obviously, whether you call it coaching or the players that we've had on our team, in the last 10 years, we've struggled with that really bad. And so it's nice to see the trend looking like it's going in a different direction. The trend is going in the right direction because they're taking the right actions, and I, I can't help but be happy about that. Man, I, Sean McVay, is, he is just, he breathes life into this organization. I can't, you go back now, 10, 11 years. Uh, Steve, Steve Ribeiro, our, our writer, wrote this article, like these nine horrible events during the, the winning season drought, and two of them were these drafts, 2006 and 2000, I want to say seven, the two worst drafts you could think of in Rams history, and these are players who just barely ever played for the Rams, and you can wonder how they could fail so miserably, and then you see the effort this current front office is putting into finding players that work, and to be fair, Les Snead, general manager Les Snead, he has been better and better at the draft than I think we even give him credit for. I think Jeff Fisher blew him up a little bit and kind of hurts his reputation with having to deal with Jeff Fisher for all those years. But now you see him working with a mind like Sean McVay. They have what was on paper not a very good draft and then turns out to be a great draft. You know, credit to Les Snead as well. Yeah, it's hard to understand or hard to know without being there personally and, and seeing it happen to know if Jeff Fisher or Les Snead or, you know, maybe Kroenke put his two cents worth in. Uh, who, who knows who's you know, made the bad choices and made the good ones. But it seems like Les Snead's been pretty solid for us. And I would, I would agree with you that Jeff Fisher probably had a lot to do with uh, some of the things that we don't agree with. I think the tandem, though, of, you know, obviously you've got two young guys and some of the best hair in the NFL with Les Snead and Sean McVay. So, <laughs> some of the best. <laughs> so, so I'm pretty, I'm pretty stoked to see, you know, these two working together and so far so good and just keep it going. 
Okay, so let's shift gears here real quick before we move on. Let's go ahead and give a prop out to Sal Martinez over at the Gold Ram Barbershop at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California. Give him a call at 714-894-7267. That's 714-894-7267. He's open Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m., Saturday, 7 a.m. before Pimmy's by appointment. Use the promo code RAMSTALK and get a great, great haircut. The great thing about Sal's shop is simple. It's this museum to the Rams. It's an absolute wonderful place to visit. The talk Rams football. You get the old school barbershop experience. Again, that's 714-894-7267. Promo, promo code RAMSTALK. All right. So shifting gears to the Pro Bowl. It was a rather, uh, shall I say, uneventful day for the Rams. Players out there, very few carries for, for Todd Gurley. Uh, Jared Goff, 10 of 18 passing, did fumble the game away at the end there. Uh, what was your impression of the Rams in the Pro Bowl? It was nice to see him there. <laughs> it's, it was actually nice to look out there and see some Rams helmets other than Johnny Hecker. Uh, when your punter is the most consistent Pro Bowl earner on your team, uh, it's, it's been pretty sad. So it was really nice to look out there and see Whitworth out there and Todd Gurley and Jared Goff. And, you know, of course, you didn't get to see much of Hecker or Farrell Cooper or those guys. But it was it was just nice to actually see some Rams playing in the Pro Bowl. And I look forward to seeing a lot of them there for years to come. Another thing that kind of this is a weird thing for me to say of all the things I could be excited about in the Pro Bowl. I really noticed how the white horns on the Rams' helmets popped. I'm serious. You're probably, you know, thinking I'm, I'm smoking something. I'm not. Of all the things I noticed, and maybe it's because I'm not used to seeing the Rams there, I, the, the Rams' helmet was very distinct. And all of a sudden, I realized, you know, that those white horns on the helmet actually look pretty good. It was good to see eight players there overall. I mean, six-second play, two that couldn't. I really enjoyed seeing... Jared Goff with the ball a lot in the second half. I wish uh, he didn't make that, didn't lose that football at the end. You know, to see a Rams quarterback out there. When was the last time we saw a Rams quarterback in the Pro Bowl? Mark Bolger, is that right? I think so. Mark Bolger, 2004-ish. So I really enjoyed that. I wish we, we could have gotten, uh, could have seen Todd Gurley run the ball a little more. They weren't even trying to run the ball in this game. No, no one even tried to run the ball in this game. It kind of stinks. Honestly, they made a big deal in the news about how the AFC came back to win, so on and so forth. It, it's an all-star game. And it brings back the old idea to me, the old debate, is it worth even playing anymore? And watching these guys go out there, have fun, and wear our uniforms, I saw myself changing my mind. I used to think the Pro Bowl was an absolute waste of time, being to get rid of the game, it's not worth it. And uh, you know what, Norm, I'm, I'm changing my mind. It, things change when you see your players there. And you see your players proudly representing your franchise. Things, yeah, they change a little bit. Yeah, well, I, I would agree that, you know, the last 10 years, I haven't really cared much about the Pro Bowl and kind of thought, well, <laughs> who cares if they really play it or not? So I kinda, I'm kind of i kind of with you on that statement. But uh, when you look out there and you see the white horns and you know that you got some Rams out there, it sure it meant more. And you're right about the helmets. They did stick out. I think the two most prominent helmets on the field both had white horns on them. And that's the Vikings and the Rams. They were the easiest ones to spot. Uh, you knew right away who they were. Uh, some of the other ones, it was a little hard to tell until they zoomed in. If it was a, you know, a Jacksonville Jaguar or a Tennessee Titan or you know a San Francisco 49er, it was it was really kind of hard to see. But when you saw the 
the Rams helmets and the Vikings helmets, it was pretty obvious who they were. So that was neat. Uh, got to see Whitworth play right tackle a little bit, which uh, obviously is not something he's done much of and uh, was probably extremely awkward for him. Uh, when I played, it was really tough to switch sides, and, and I can understand why he struggled with it a little bit. Uh, Michael Bennett from the Seahawks, seeing him jump offside so many times, just kind of made me laugh. It's the Pro Bowl. Uh, <laughs> you know, the guys are going half speed, and he's jumping offside. So I guess the guy wanted to stand out uh, in a rough way or something. But uh, Goff, to me, looked pretty good. Uh, it, it, it was raining hard. The ball's really wet. You know, he fumbled at the end. I mean, who cares? I, I see people making a huge deal out of it on social media. You know, yeah, during the season, uh, he fumbled the ball. But w what I saw from the fumbles is it wasn't really, you know, him just not doing a good job with the ball. It was when he had his hand back to go and pass. Guys are knocking it out of it. And that's not necessarily his fault. And... You know, so I don't really see an issue there. I thought he played pretty well. Todd Gurley, for the limited time he had, he played, you know, fairly well. But these guys are going half speed half the time, and then they're not even running through tackles because they're blowing the whistle early. And so that part of the Pro Bowl sucks. And I wouldn't mind seeing them maybe pay him a little bit more money and let him hit a little harder and be a little more like a real football game. But I do understand the issues with injuries and so forth. So... All in all, it was just nice to see some Rams players there. You almost think maybe it's, it's just negative flag football game, you know? Let the just just hear me out. Just this it's a little sounds a little almost amateur to have them play a flag football game, but if you think about it, these they don't have to wear their helmets. People can see their faces. Uh, there's no real risk of any kind of major physical injury. You could see them actually running around the field. Maybe it's not a bad idea to play a flag football game, and I. Again, I, I'm I'm shifting gears. The argument for the longest time has been just get rid of the game. I don't think so. I think this is a worthy a worthy venture in terms of fan interaction, and the NFL can use it these days. The NFL has been just making weird decision after weird decision. It's hurt the fan base. Go play the game. As a matter of fact, what I think they should do is they should rotate the Pro Bowl every year to a different NFL city. Take it there. Let those fans get to get an up close and personal experience with these players to help, you know, some of that fan relationship that's getting out there. It's been getting lost this year for many reasons, but maybe it's state, you know, stadium expenses or ticket, I'm sorry, ticket prices, the whole stupid anthem thing or whatever. Change, change this. You don't need to do it in Orlando every year. Take them on the road to different NFL cities and get these players a chance to meet these fans. I agree with that. I think they should move it around. Uh, just like they do the Super Bowl, I think they should move the Pro Bowl around. I would argue that as many players, if not more players, would get hurt playing flag football than they would uh, playing like they are now, and that's just because they're not gonna they're not gonna go out there and let up as, you know hardly at all, uh, and they're not gonna have pads and helmets on. I, I would I would venture to guess you might see more injuries going flag football. So. Hmm. You know, it's just like, you know, a lot of people think that football is the most uh, injury-prone sport. It's really not. It's basketball because you're on a hardwood floor, a lot of twisted ankles, a lot of coming down on the hard floor. Um, you know, my, my experience with insurance, you know, I see a lot of statistics. And it's, you know, basketball actually has more injuries per player than football. So I, I think they should just tune it up a little more. 
maybe make it a little more interesting in some way. And I don't know what that way is, but uh, to go out there and see him play half speed and stuff, it's just not as, not as exciting, I guess. You know, it was kind of neat though to see, you know, on that, uh, on that one AFC interception where they were, you know, they were laddering, laddering the ball a lot. And, you know, it was kind of fun to watch and, it's just not like it's not like watching the Super Bowl or anything like that. But you know, all in all, I'd say it was pretty cool. I think there's a solution out there. Is you know, it, it takes some time to figure it out. I definitely like the format AFC versus NFC. It drove me nuts when they went away from it. And I do like that that the game is stateside, not always in Hawaii. I think they should go back to Hawaii. They shouldn't ignore Hawaii out there, but I, rotate that game around. Maybe there's something they can do about the the actual Pro Bowl rules in order to, you know, produce a little more action there. I, you know, there's there's got to be a solution somewhere. There has to be. Yep. They can do, you know, I like, honestly, when it comes to the Pro Bowl, I like the contests that they do throughout the week, the skills contests and stuff. I think they ought to make a bigger deal out of that. I think they need to do more uh, of that. And I think that they could make it a lot more entertaining and a lot more fun and have a Pro Bowl week that's a little more extensive than what they're doing now. And, you know, I think that's where you could get a lot of fan experience. And again, that makes the case for moving it around more and, and so forth. But all in all, I'm just happy that there were some Rams in it this year. So, you know, that's, that's pretty much my take on it. All right, moving forward, a couple little odds and ends here before we close up shop today. Super Bowls this weekend, those hated New England Patriots against, well, those hated Philadelphia Eagles how do you see this game going? Oh, well, those who know me know that I have been a New England Patriots hater pretty much ever since I started watching football. Before the Tom Brady days, I've never been a fan of New England. And since then, you know, of course, with our little Rams history with them and so forth, you'll never hear me pick them even if I think they're going to win. So I'm going to go with the Eagles by a touchdown. I think they've got the ability to beat the Patriots. The Eagles are a good football team, as we've seen. They surprised me with how they demolished Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota, as we know, has a really good defense. I don't think the Patriots' defense is as good as Minnesota's. So, you know, can Tom Brady and his crew score as much as uh, Nick Foles and his crew? And I think the Eagles have the upper hand in that department. So... I'm going to go with the Philadelphia Eagles by seven. Oh, man. I'm going to go with the Patriots. Oh. Not because <laughs> not, I, you're like, why? You know, it's just the Patriots just almost always find a way. I think, well, let me lay this out. I think the Eagles can beat the Patriots. I think we saw in the AFC Championship game, the Jaguars are able to run at times on New England. And, you know, the Patriots have like three different solid running backs. Sorry, the Eagles do. My apologies. The Eagles have three solid backs they can throw at the New England defense. They can wear them out. I just don't know that the Eagles will maintain ball control enough to really wear down that New England defense. And that's what they're going to need to win. It's not going to be behind Foles' arm. It's going to be the running game. It's going to be wearing down New England. We saw what happened in the first half of that Jacksonville game when uh, New England's defense wears down a little bit, and they're you know they become moral. But I can't doubt the Patriots when it comes to Tom Brady behind behind center under center. I, I can't do that. I, as much as I want to, there's 
they they have a you know an offense that enables them to find different targets and and new players will step up when you don't think they will. They always find a way, and that's why I'm going to go with the Patriots by a field goal. Well, I think it's going to actually come down to the defense, and I think that uh, Philly's defense is one of the better defenses in the league, and I think you're going to see Fletcher Cox dominate. And I look forward to seeing an Eagles win. I'm very much not really stoked about watching this Super Bowl. It, uh, as a fan, even if I didn't hate New England, it does get a little old to see them there all the time. You know, props to them for getting there so much, but uh, I'm just sick of them. And I know a lot of people feel the same way that I do. And and uh, there's a part of me that says, do I even really care if I watch the game? But then if the Eagles win, then I'll have wished I did. So I'll, uh, I'll suffer through it and I'll watch it. And uh, I'm really hoping that the Eagles take this one home. And, you know, the Eagles have been consistently a better team in the league without winning a Super Bowl for a very long time. And kind of like, you know, if the Rams were to make it there, uh, a lot of people would want them to see it because they haven't done it very often. And I'm kind of feeling that way about Philly, too. I really it would really nice. It'd be nice to see some new blood there uh, win a Super Bowl. And and I know the fans in Philly would love it. Oh, well, they'd be jumping up light light posts. I mean, yeah. Can you imagine what a Super Bowl win would be like in the city of Philadelphia? Can you imagine? We might not have a city of Philadelphia Monday morning. <laughs> it might be gone. It might be rubble. <laughs> Things might be on fire. Yeah, it might be gone. It might just be this huge, like, crater. Just bam, gone. Yeah, I'm really hoping that they don't go that far with it, but I, I'm really hoping that, you know, they can bring home a championship for Philly. I've, I, I'm I'm always going to root for the underdog for the most part, unless it's against us, and you know, especially when it's the Patriots they're going against. So I'd really love to see Philly win it, and I'm hoping they have a good game. All right, so we're getting ready to close up shop here, and before we go, I just want to ask Nor one last question here as we head out for the week. And for the week, I mean, we have an interview with Johnny Johnson coming up this week as our midweek podcast. Check that out. Great guy, doing a lot of great things in his world. So. You know, hey, check that podcast out. It'll be out this week. Before we go, Norm, here's my here's my big question for you. Now, our, this weekend, the Super Bowl's over. The NFL season's over. You are now the Rams GM. What is the first thing you do heading into this offseason to get things going? I get the players signed that I need to get signed. Get it done. Well, which player? Well, players. I said pro- Plural, players. Well, which one first? That's why I said first. Uh, you first. got you got to get the Aaron Donald contract done so you know how much money you got to mess with. So to me, if I'm the Rams GM, I'm, I'm getting Donald signed as quickly as I can so that I, I know where I'm at for the rest of the year. And for me, I say get LaMarcus Joyner signed first. Get him under contract, get him taken care of. That will give you an idea of how much money you have as well. And he's the immediate need. The immediate need is to get, make sure he doesn't hit free agency, make sure there isn't this big bidding war over him, and then we can worry about other things. Well, and I'm, I'm interested in seeing where Aqib Talib ends up because, you know, there's a lot of smoke and mirrors going on saying that the Rams are, you know, interested in him and that he's a good – he is obviously a good landing spot um, for the Rams. Uh, you know, L.A. is a good landing spot for him as well. So – <laughs> there's a lot of moving parts, but I think you get your necessaries done 
you know, I agree that joining needs to get under contract. Um, we need to get Aaron Donald taken care of. We need to figure out what we're doing with Robert Quinn and, and, and uh, Mark Barron and see where we're going to end up with that. I doubt uh, we're going to see Tremaine Johnson re-sign with the Rams. I just don't see it happening. So there's, there's a lot of question marks, but if you can get your bigger contracts sewn up and done so you know how much cap space you have to work with, it really helps out the rest of the year. So that's kind of where I'd go if I were the GM. It wouldn't surprise me if the Rams find a way to keep Tremaine. It would not surprise me. It depends on how much he's really demanding. Does he want that same pay he was getting as a franchise? Is, is he willing to come down some to bring more players? Another thought that comes to mind, too, is, is very simple. For years now, the Rams have not been a free agent spot. All of a sudden, they're going to be. I would, it would not surprise me to see some Ram, the Rams make some moves during this period that you know, we weren't used to seeing. It would not surprise me until he became a Ram. It would not surprise me if we saw another crazy signing that nobody even thought would happen. Well, and, you know, what would you think of uh, them actually getting Donald under contract, keeping Joyner under contract, and actually re-signing Tremaine Johnson and picking up Akib Talib? Well, that's going <laughs> to... I'd be. That, there's. We're gonna find the money for that. I know. I don't know how they do it, but if they could pull that off, that'd be. Uh, that'd be pretty exciting. So. Well, one of the things they would have to do is they would trade out the first round, get out of the first, get out of the first round price window. You'd have to restructure several deals. You would have to definitely let Tavon Austin go and eat that five mil for dead cap. You know, they'd have to let Mark Barron go. Yep. So yeah, I think it's possible. And then what I would, if you trade back out of the first round, you might be able to score a second and a third out of it, and then you can get still get some high-quality players, just not pay first-round money. Well, there, I, I mean, it's, it's possible. You and have I, to work your magic, though. I would argue that where we're picking in the first round isn't that important. Uh, so, you know, between first and second round. So maybe we do look at moving back and saves us some money. And, uh, you know, I would love to see Akib Talib and Tremaine Johnson as our starting corners with uh, Kayvon Webster as a nickel corner or a backup. I think we become pretty darn good if that were to happen. So who knows? Uh, it's all, you know, dollars and cents and contracts and smoke and mirrors and, you know, rumors and trades and we'll see what happens. But uh, I agree with you. The Rams are a lot more attractive team now to free agents than they were, especially, you know, since they made the playoffs and, you know, they're going to have that new stadium coming up here soon. So those are pretty exciting things for a, for a player to come into and, you know, to get the opportunity to play with Sean McVay as well. Still, the idea that you would have Akeem Tlaib and Jermaine Johnson on the same team, that would take a lot, a lot of money working there. Oh, sure. I, I love the idea. Well, like I said, if they could pull off a miracle and have that happen, it'd be awesome. I don't, I don't see it actually happening, but it would be pretty cool. Miracles never cease. Another option, too, with that first-round pick, if there are several corners that could be around there, that the Rams could go ahead and get that solid corner to be with, to pair with Tremaine Johnson. You don't necessarily need to go out there and pay to leave the money if that corner is there. But I have a personal favorite in that first-round pick. If, if Vita Vita from Washington drops all the way down to 23, you have to take him. Yeah, I don't, I mean, I don't see that happening, but yeah. I don't see it either. But if he does happen to drop, or you know, if it's getting... If he's sitting there at you know around 20 and no one's taking him yet, then maybe the Rams do the opposite. Maybe they, they package something to move up, and getting VOE worth it. So you never know. 
Yeah. It's going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to the combine. I'm looking forward to uh, free agency. You know, that's the that's the fun time of year where you can go out and you look for the low hanging fruit and you look for the the prize uh, the prize at the top of the tree. And uh, we'll see which ones we get and and if we get any of them or if we go solidly in the draft. You know, solely in the draft. Time will tell. But it's a uh, it's a lot more exciting to go in, into the offseason with a winning record and a playoff team than it is to, you know, where we have been. And just realize this. For the first time in probably a decade, players are actually going to be looking to go to the Rams. The Rams don't necessarily have to go recruit them now. They're going to be looking to go there. And so you never know. Uh, this, this is going to be a wild offseason, a wild one, and it's going to be fun to watch. Folks, come stick with us. Stick with us throughout this, this uh, entire process, through the free agency, through the draft in the training camp. There's going to be a, you know, a brand new team next year, the tougher schedule, but yet hopefully this core can stay together and make some magic happen for Norm Hightower. This is Derek C. Apollo. See you later. There's an underdog story happening today in America, one that couldn't have been scripted. Small businesses are fighting to make a big comeback, but in the moment they have the least, they're giving the most. They're rallying communities, feeding those in need, yet asking for little in return. It's pretty incredible, isn't it? But they still need our support now more than ever. Small Unites is making it simple for everyone to take action and give back to the small business that unites us all. Shop, share, and donate today at smallunites.org. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% .9 of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.